the blast from our past network. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the man behind Psycho 2, Cloak and Dagger, the writer and director of Fright Night and Child's Play, the legendary Tom Holland. Mr. Tom Holland, thank you for being on Podcasting After Dark. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks. Thank you. You you guys were going to interview me before COVID nineteen hit, right? Yeah. So a little backstory. And that took everything off. Yeah. <laughs> little backstory on this. Yeah, we we, we were going to see each other face to face, and have you down at our studios here in in LA, and then obviously everything changed in a matter of weeks. And your your manager Jack, I was speaking with, and I said, well. Let's reschedule and when uh, when this thing all lifts up, and then he said that sounds like a great idea. Not knowing that we're kind of spinning in circles at the moment. And well, I, said, I mean, well, about a week ago, I, I, I four or five days ago, I started to feel better about. It. Yeah, me too. And then about what happened? The whole thing. And yeah. now, then, then everything spiked everywhere, and now I'm totally paranoid again. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know. I don't know what the hell to do. Worse, I don't think they know what to do. Yeah, I, yeah. I concur. I think you. Uh, I cannot imagine how people are dealing with this, besides me outside of my bubble. You know what I'm saying? And well, um, I mean, I mean, everybody has to has to work and has to make a living. Yeah. And I mean, I you know, it, 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 it's just killing people. I understand why people are going nuts. Yeah. But at the same time, until they come up with something that says. I mean, they can't even agree on what to do with you if you're sick with it, and they put you in the hospital. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it, you know, so it, it, it's it's so it, that's even that makes it even scarier. You know, it sounds like something out of one of my one of my stories or my novel. I, the new novel I wrote is called The Notch. N O T C H. Tom Holland is on Amazon. But I one of the things I used in it was a pandemic. And really? this was before the pandemic, and it was totally accidental. When did you write that <laughs> book? When did you write that book? I wrote it about a year and a half ago. Okay. Because it took that, it took the Cemetery Dances publishing it in, in a collector's edition hardcover. Oh, beautiful. Uh, autograph. But, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just happenstance that it happens to have a pandemic in it. I mean, it isn't really, it isn't the heart of the story, but it's a way of measuring what's going on in the story. Unfortunately, what's the story about? we don't have any, anything like the magical boy that's in the book. We don't have that. We don't have him here in real life. Unfortunately. We need him. We need him. Can we oh boy, him, we do. Well, the story's about a, the story's about an 11 or 12 year old who's, who, who doesn't talk and everybody thinks he's autistic, but he has one gift. Whenever he touches you, whatever your ailment is, whether it's a hangnail or cancer, is cured. Wow. You know, and so it's the story of that. And, of course, as the pandemic comes and goes, people are, let's say, interested in the boy's healing healing power. And the boy never talks. Wow. So, you know, and as people, as people do the right thing, the, the pandemic backs off. 
And as they do the wrong thing, the, the pandemic, you know, accelerates. So some way, in some way that we never quite understand, the boy is almost a test of, of humanity. Anyway, that's the notch. Well, we need that humanity right now. Oh, boy, we need something. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, you know, I was going to I was going to say, first and foremost, um, besides I get before we get to the the gushing over how awesome it is to have you on our show. Uh, how, how are you doing are, in the past three, four months? I've, how, how are you doing? How are you handling all this? We're, well, we're, we're self-isolating. The, 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 this, the, this is a little personal for a podcast that probably will go on and on and on. But, you know, the uh, uh, I have family members who have some health complications. So I'm terribly concerned with making sure that nobody walks in yeah. with, uh, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the virus. So we're self-isolating and staying very private, and I'm 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 trying not to go out. I was start I was just about ready to start seeing people again. Yeah. And bang, you know all of, you know, and I don't know whether it's the protesters or the people on the beaches in Miami. I don't know who the hell's passing it around. Right. But you know, it seems to be going down and hitting people more your age now. Yeah, that's scary. Scary stuff. Um, it's like you said, it's <laughs> something out of a, one of your movies or novels. Um, and I, I'm, I yeah, know somebody Cor- call Stephen King quick. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. having <laughs> rewrite the Indian of this year, please. please. <laughs> oh, gosh. He can well, do it in an hour. probably. No, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Um, and I, I definitely want to get back to the notch as well, but I, I just have to say, uh, it's a real honor to have you on our show. It's, you are, your films have, I feel like Charlie Brewster when he's talking to uh, a little bit. (laughs) I'm a huge fan. And you, you, your, your films, your work have shaped um, my life, Corey's life. Uh, Fright Night is, is, is one of my all time favorite films. Um, You know, I want to, Cloak and Dagger is my all time favorite kids movie bless uh, you bless you bless you <laughs> in, i in, love cloak and dagger to, Clo- tom i can attest to the fact that zach lives and breathes cloak and dagger and fright night <laughs> oh boy what about child's play is that forgotten oh no, no it's definitely no, not no. We, there, <laughs> no. we have we kind of have a, a laundry list but I, I will tell you just on the cloak and dagger note really quick i come from a divorced family and I moved from Michigan out to California when I was a really little kid so I didn't see my dad all that much Cloak and Dagger comes out and there's this relationship between the father and son my dad has a very odd strange resemblance to Dabney Coleman and and it's I could show you the side by side and Corey can attest to this it's It's uncanny (laughs) and so I didn't piece it together as a kid why I love this movie so much and then I watched it again fairly recently and I got emotional because i said holy crap that's that's my dad and that's me i'm davy and oh and jack flack with my dad was a former navy seal uh oh wow yeah oh wow so here i am having this moment of like you know what i don't want i don't want you want to call it but it, it just i was freaking out because i thought well this is why this movie resonates with me you crafted, you created with your script this uh, this story that I think is timeless, personally. So thank you. Well, thank you because the if we're going to get 
I mean, I, I should just keep my mouth shut at this point because that, that was so lovely what you said. But when I wrote that script, I was weeping at the end. Really? You know, and you know, and I, I, I never was quite sure whether whether or not it affected people in the audience like that. Some people, yes. Some people, no. I don't know. But boy, when I read that script and he he finally accepts his his, his father, his real father, and he gives up Jack Flack. Yep. I was crying. It's intense. Uh, you, there's that line that Davy has, or no, sorry, Jack Flack has it at the end when uh, when he gets shot, and when you know when kids stop believing, and um, and it's it's so hard hitting because it's this reality of I have a six year old son who's very much into role playing and and characters and becoming you know thinking he's somebody else and. And that innocence that's lost, and you capture that innocence so well, um, and and that and that longing just to be loved. I mean, it's I think there's so many underlying themes in this film that that people just maybe might understand more now than they did back in the day. Well, I'm I'm waiting for somebody to remake it. Universal owns it. They knocked on my door about ten years ago. And I said I thought it was a wonderful idea to remake it because it would give boys, you know, a, totally. you know, a, a story of, of yep. the father figure. They would understand it. And all the buyers, which was universal, all they wanted to do was make make Davy into a girl. I don't. I, uh, I'm, I don't. I can't. I can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> neither. Neither could I. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think that is something that that we sort of lack uh, nowadays that we had back then, which was these kid adventure movies like uh, The Goonies and, and like Cloak and Dagger, where, you know, kids were actually felt like they were in real peril. But, you know, they, it was still a little bit lighthearted and, and, and jovial, but there was a sense of, of real peril to it. Um, I feel like we're missing that these days. Do you, do you see that ever coming back or is that just a, a product of the 80s and, and early 90s? Oh, boy. You're asking a probing question. <laughs> it's probably gone right now. Yeah, you know the yeah. the you know it it, it, it I, I don't dare say anything you know for saying the wrong thing. Yeah. The uh, but yes the 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 for twenty years it's been going over to girl power. Yeah. You know and uh, but everything gets boring in its time you know and somebody. Somebody will do a a, a a boy-oriented movie and it'll make a fortune and maybe it'll turn. On the other hand, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, we're sitting here and I'm not too sure movies as I grew up with them are going to survive. Yeah. Which means going to the movie theater, you know? I mean, streaming seems to be eating everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think that why not make remake Cloak & Dagger if, if the universe yeah. hears this right now? <laughs> Please make it happen. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, so, yeah. you know, right, right, Universal, and tell them. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll, I will do my damnedest. That's for sure. But um, I will tell you that. So Corey and I started this podcast way back when, about almost about a year ago, and um, and because of our love of horror, sci-fi, cult, classic films, one of the films that we did early on was a movie called Class of 1984. Wow. And um, I, because I personally love, again, going back to like childhood movies, adolescent movies, uh, movies of exploitation, 
you had a pretty big hand in that, wouldn't you say? At least developing the story. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I did, but I mean, really, the, the the genius for that was Mark Lester, who's still with us, who was the producer uh, director. Yeah. The and Mark had that idea in his head, and he had what it was was it was you're right it was exploitation it was a it was trying to update concrete uh, concrete jungle. Yeah. Yep. Concrete jungle. Trying to up, update that and. He'd had a terrific experience in, in going to high school, and we went out here in the valley to the school where he, where Mark had gone, and met with his teachers wow. when we were researching it. But the what works about the film, it works emotionally. I think, you know, I mean, the the the, the people make sense, and there's there's a there's a good sense of drama in the film, and the actors are all very good. Yeah, it was, it was Rod. Certainly, that predisposed me towards Roddy McDowell for uh, *Fright Night*. But hmm. all the all the kids were very good. Uh, everything works about that movie. I thought, you know, it was it was. I mean, Mark was doing things like roller disco boogie. You know, yeah. <laughs> so nobody nobody took took the mirror the movie seriously. When it was released, but I think the reason that it's lived on is because it emotionally has an impact. You know, you really, you really, you really feel sorry for the for the teachers who were trying to to communicate with their kids in a in a school that's falling apart. And we all thought we were, you know, we were being shocking with uh, metal detectors before you get in and police on the campus and right. all of that. Yeah, and now, now of course norm. it looks like we were we didn't go far enough. <laughs> yeah, you I'm sorry. Lot. They're they're pulling the police away from uh, from schools now. They're taking the police out of high schools. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and I can attest. That works. And I, you know, on on the show, the way the the way our podcast works, um, every other episode, uh, like so, Zach will recommend a movie, and then the next episode, I'll recommend recommend a movie. And a lot of times, you know, they have the it's all about the nostalgia that's sort of attached to it, and. Um, for me, uh, watching class of 1984, I think I'd seen pieces of it when I was a kid, but it was Zach's pick and then watching it in my, as my, as an adult now, you know, in, in 2000 and, you know, 19, 18, when we recorded it, um, I can tell you the, the movie holds up fantastically. Like I, I, you know, no nostalgic, you know, value for me, but I'm watching it fresh and new in 2019. And I am surprised at how well it holds up. And, and I think you're correct. Like the. The acting is absolutely amazing. The energy of that film is is fantastic, and sadly, you know, and, and not in a good way. It was pretty uh, prophetic of about where things were going, you know. So it felt almost contemporary in two thousand nineteen. You never, you you never, you never know. And I, I mean, I, I, I remember one of my mentors was was a man named uh, Henry Farrell. And Henry wrote a, a, a few a few books uh, that turned into movies. One of which was uh, uh, all about uh, no uh, uh, God. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> Henry said, "What happens is you just keep working, and then about ten fifteen years later, somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, that was really good.'" <laughs> you know, and you're like, huh, what, what? You know, and it was, you know. I mean, I sort of, I sort of feel like that. I'm still sitting here trying to remember the great movie that Henry wrote. 
<laughs> Baby Jane, whatever happened to Baby oh, Jane? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. classic. There you go. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so then he wrote how awful about Alan and Alice and all the rest of them. Yep, yep. The uh, but he didn't have a clue that, that whatever happened to Baby Jane was going to be this huge breakout film. So that you know, so I think that's pretty good advice. You don't know if you told me back in 1984 when I was shooting. Fright Night, mm-hmm. that it was going to turn into a, a classic. I don't know if that overstates it or not. We could say cult classic, I suppose. But I don't think I would have. I, I, I don't think I would have taken you seriously. I mean, when I was doing these films, you know, they were disposable. You know, they came out, people saw them, and that was it. And maybe they had a little life on TV, but that was it. Every it was all disposable. And it never occurred to me that 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 30, 40 years later, I'd be having a conversation like this. And thank you very, very much, fellas. Yeah, you know, I can I tell mean, you, that... I can tell you that it is a classic and not a cult classic, in my in my opinion, um, I, as, as a movie that I would watch nightly, uh, a movie I would fall asleep to for <laughs> whatever reason. Um, you know, you hit all the bases. Well, Fright Night's really, really extraordinary, in, in yes. the sense that where it came from in me was, yes. was 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 like a different place. I was, I was writing Cloak and Dagger, and I was writing it for Richard Franklin, who directed it, and who also mm-hmm. directed uh, uh, Psycho Two, yep. which, by the way, I think is a really terrific film. But anyway, Agreed. it was a remake of Cornell Woolrich's short story, The Window, which is really the juvenile version of Rear Window, which Cornell mm-hmm. Woolrich also wrote. Mm-hmm. And and The Window, the juvenile version, is really a boy who cried wolf story. And it, it, it just wasn't enough story, you know, back even in 1985 or whatever it was, to make a movie out of. And I said to Richard and to Universal, if you really want to do a story about a kid seeing something going on in the house next door, the kid should be a gonzo horror fan, and he should become convinced that the next-door neighbor is a vampire. And they threw me out of the office. What? <laughs> well, they thought it was the silliest idea they'd ever heard. Oh, and Richard, had, Richard Franklin's reaction was the same. So I wrote uh, Cloak and Dagger, and I created uh, Jack Sledge, the imaginary friend, you know, as, as, a, as a way to, 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 to try to give it an emotional impact and make it more interesting than just the boy next door. Yeah. You know, and, but, the boy, but that idea of, 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 of the gonzo horror fan, who was me, you know, back in the day, becoming convinced that his next door neighbor was a vampire would not lead, I could not get it out of my head. Yeah. And so even when I was through with with Cloak and Dagger and I forget what else. Oh, uh Scream for Help. Scream for Help, uh, yeah. The I sat down and I specced uh Fright Night. And Fright Night was really my love letter to horror fans. It was my generation, I guess, specifically, because that's why I thought of Peter Vincent, the Roddy McDowell character, because I grew up with with hosts. On the Friday night frights, the only way, you, the only place you could see a science fiction movie or a horror movie back when I was a kid was on Friday nights on the independent independent local TV channel. 
and they always had hosts. And the hosts were like Stagger Lee or Elvira or, you know, one was just worse than the other. You know, I mean, it was, you know, they, they'd come out of a coffin like I have, have, have you know, Peter Vincent doing, yeah. but the, the coffin would fall over. You know, the, the ground fog was, was, was patchy and, you know, and, and the, the, the gate to the cemetery would, 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 would list badly. Anyway, that, and the minute I thought of Peter Vincent, I could not wait to get to the, to the, to the word processor or to write Fright Night. And I, it was, I, I laughed and I chuckled and I, I felt great affection as I was writing it. And it came through because I think because I directed it. So yes, it, for sure. it came through in the movie. And what's happened, I think, that the reason is that, that it's gone on and become ever more popular is because it's been passed down from generation to generation. I think that was an R or a PG-13 when it was released. R, but yeah. now it, it, it's relatively tame. Oh, but totally. The, but the, 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 the visuals still work, the scares still work, and the people. But it's become it's become a, a, a movie that the grandparents watch with their grandchildren, you know, yep. which is terrific. It's we a, actually it's a fun, very very fun movie, and I, I personally attest uh, uh, the greatness of that film to uh, Billy Cole, the character Billy Cole, who I absolutely <laughs> adore in, in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you didn't Jonathan you? Stark. Yeah, I think yeah. Corey. At one point, what did you say? You you're like, what was the question? You well, well to so one of the things that that we talked about when we reviewed the movie uh, Fright Night on our podcast, um, and what we do is we we break down the film like scene by scene, talk about it. So it, it it's, it's a pretty lengthy um, show per episode. But one of the things that that we just we couldn't stop talking about was just how much we love Billy Cole. Um, he's just he's such a fun character, and uh, but the question kept coming up and and people kind of talk about online too what exactly like mythos wise like vampire mythos wise what exactly was billy cole oh, as far as boy. like a creature goes well he he was he was the he was the renfrew character in in in, in uh, dracula i was right, right. he's, he's right. the one that's half made yeah okay <laughs> i don't know if you so, could use the, I, can, I don't know if you would call him a halfling anymore because i think that that the, that they use that in Lord of the Rings, maybe, but the it's somebody who is it's a it's a guardian. The, the vampire, you know, you know, bites him, changes a little bit of of, a, of blood, but not enough to bring him over, mm-hmm. not enough to make him into a full fledged vampire, so he can go out in the day. And he is the he is the protector of the vampire. That's awesome. He's okay. created yeah. to protect the vampire who's asleep in the basement in the coffin. My but, other question was, where can I get one for myself? <laughs> because <laughs> Billy Cole rocks. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, the the other thread that Zach and I kind of dabbled with in uh, Fright Night, in the story of Fright Night, is the the portrayal of of Jerry Dandridge. As uh, we kind of cued in on the fact that he's almost the protagonist of the film. Um, a, a few scenes where you know he really asks Brewster basically to just leave him alone, you know, and and we're cool. Oh, and and then on the top of the fact that he seems to only be killing, I mean, we're not making an assumption of the good or bad of, 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 you know, ladies of the night, but he's not killing, it seems to be like innocent people. And so I kind of 
cued in on in, on the fact that that Brewster might actually be the villain of the film, and Jerry Dandridge is to me the hero. And but that also could be just uh, uh, just his his amazing chemistry uh, on screen. I, I'm not sure. But is there any is there anything behind that, or am I just did, did we just kind of read really too deep into something? No, you're not. You're, there is something behind it. Oh, because okay. The, well, the theory, the, the theory is, or the, one of the things you can say about writing, you're trying to create characters. Villains are not, nobody's black and white. Yeah, agreed. You know, everybody everybody shares a responsibility for the situation. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, I, 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 tragedy clings to Jerry. Yeah. The, the, the painting, the idea, what I was, that he said, that he sees it. He sees the painting and he says, I think he says Mina, but I was mm. thinking of Mina Harker, who's mm. the daughter in, uh, that he falls in love with, Dracula falls in love with in the, in the, in the original novel, wow. which was the late 1800s. In other words, what Jerry's curse, Jerry, Jerry, the devil offered him immortality if he would agree to become a vampire. And Jerry did it because this is the backstory I wrote in my head. Mm-hmm. Because Jerry was was fighting the he was a Turk and he was fighting. I'm I'm sorry. He was a Vienna Austri- Austrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it was you know they they fought the the Muslims to a to a to a halt at the gates of Vienna. And I thought that 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 Jerry was the leader and he made a deal so he could lead his troops and protect his country. But the deal was that he he had to give up his soul to be immortal. Mm-hmm. And when he gave up his soul, his curse was that he was to meet the woman that he loved more than any other, only to lose her. Wow. And then to find that she'd been reborn and to start all over again, only to lose her. And that's who Amy is. Amy is the reincarnation of Mina Harker. Yep. I didn't okay. deal with it in the movie, but that was the backstory in my head. Well, and I think that comes through because even when he's talking to Brewster, I love the line that he says, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have a choice and I'm giving you one. And you can yeah. see the the sadness in his eyes. And um, we talk about like world building on our podcast. And I love it when the creator, like yourself, knows what the backstory is, but we don't learn it, you know, word for word in the movie. But we still see glimpses of what you know to be the truth and just seeing Jerry Dandridge's sadness for a nanosecond in his eye saying uh you know i'm giving you a choice that i didn't have i freaking love that so much thank you and it, it, it was it was it was all intentional but you you I, you had a lot of things going on chris sarandon is a is an academy award nominee actor yep. i mean he's a really fine actor and if you're if you're dealing with people who can go deeper actors who can go deeper it's not about the lines it's about the emotional subtext under the lines and that's what makes what that's what makes the character interesting it's not just what they're saying but what they're not saying and that was that was my attempt and chris's to 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 make jerry dandridge more fully formed it was, there of course, was so that much didn't stop him from wanting to bite Amy and to have him, <laughs> to have her be his forever, you know. Well, but I mean, of, of 
of course, but he still had that moment with Amy where he didn't want to let he wanted her to sort of want it. And again, like all these all these little moments where you could have, you know, you as 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 Tom Holland, the director could have gone in and with Chris Sarandon in a different direction. But I love all the choices that you made uh, and you and Chris Sarandon made in that movie. Um, I think it just his character, Jerry Dandridge, really stands the test of time, even when we watch it now again, because we always watch these movies now we sort of look look at him through a lens of current day and boy oh boy does that movie just really really hold up it keeps echoing and it, it was you know and now i'm being bitchy but if you looked at the remake <laughs> it's it's the it's the vampire out of 30 days of night it's just a killing machine yeah right. there's yeah, no humor the there's no empathy you know so you can look at it too and you can see black and white there you know, as opposed to as opposed to Fright Night. Thank you. That's the intent. The everything you're saying is the intent of the of of of, 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 of me and, and Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Well, you know, awesome. we had uh, we had Stephen Jeffries on uh, our show last year. Oh, and, and, uh, okay. And it was it was was so great. Stephen and I uh, actually, you know, got to know each other a little bit, and he's just a, just such a good good person. And uh, you know, obviously, we talked quite a bit about Fright Night because I wanted to kind of profile his whole career on our show, uh, you know, the, the movies he made in the 80s. And, and you know, he has such a fondness, obviously, for Fright Night. And you, his performance is, is Evil Ed. And just, he's brilliant. Like, he's brilliant. fucking – I don't I – mean, You can swear, yeah. Out, but I mean, no, no, he's brilliant. Okay. I mean, you know, yeah. it, but I mean, that, that's, that's – that's, that's, I got lucky. I got lucky with that cast. You really did. You really did. Yeah, and so, I, I, so, I, go ahead. You're saying that Roddy McDowell, you obviously, uh, you know, worked with him in class of 1984. Was that how you were able to bring him on, or was that just by happenstance? Well, I, Peter Vincent is the cowardly lion. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I mean, that was really the image that 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 that, that I talked about with Roddy, and he's. It's it, it's an odd script in the sense that Charlie is the is the engine that keeps it moving. Yep. Because Charlie's determined to you know to to expose the vampire next door and also stop him from stealing his girl. Yep. So you 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 have a, an, an older guy and a, and a younger guy, you know, fighting <laughs> over a woman, and, and and you know that the sophistication of the older guy. Charlie's in. Charlie's not in a good place. But, 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 but the but the one that the one that has to rise up from being a coward and and defeat his own fear and go face go face the vampire is Peter Vincent. And Roddy knew that it would that it offered the chance for him to give a great performance, and so he was he was totally dedicated to it and, and and peter you know roddy almost brings you to tears roddy almost brings you to tears as, as the as the teacher in in class of 84 where the bad kids slaughter all of his all of his pets in his in his, mm-hmm. in, his in his classroom yep you know i mean you know and i i knew that he had that in him i knew that he could i knew he could get the humor but I also knew he could dig down and, and find the emotion too. Yeah, when he's when you actually see his faith like rising as the sun is rising behind yeah, Jerry great. Dandridge, and you can see it on on Roddy's face, like 
it's amazing. It it's it all works and it gives you goosebumps because here here you see a man actually getting his faith and that's huge. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was for me too. We were very lucky. I mean, that was my first movie and I had the full support of Columbia and Columbia the production there. There's a guy who's no longer with us called Shell Schrager. He gave me the entire effects team from Ghostbusters. So at that moment in time, I had the best people at doing practical in-camera effects, and also with Richard Adlin, I had the I had the best visual, uh, able to do mat shots and moving mat shots, which is Beautiful. what it is yeah. when you see the when he leaps off the balcony, Jerry, and turns into a bat on the way down, and you see the transformation in the shadow on the wall. I wrote. I didn't write that. I wrote. I wrote him diving off the the, the the balcony, but I didn't know how to do it. Wow! And Richard Edlin did know how to do it and make those things work. And then I had I had I had brilliant effects artists. I had I had Steve Johnson, and I had Randy Cook. And you know both guys went on to huge careers. Yep. So I mean I I I just had I in my on my first movie I got the best people in the trades working in Hollywood. And that includes Jan Keyser behind, you know, with the cinematography. I don't, I don't know how that happens, fellas, because I've, I've had, I've done films too where everything has gone wrong, and <laughs> you know, and, and no matter what I tried, I couldn't make them go right. So it, 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 it I think having a, a, a good movie is it. You have it's like lightning in a bottle. You, you, you need the. You need the Lord to look down on you at that moment, you know, and Bright Night, it certainly all came together. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. Fright Night. If you love being scared, this could be the night of your life. If you'd like to hear the full 60-minute interview with Tom Holland, please consider subscribing to our Patreon page, where you'll get Tom's interview along with Patreon exclusives, like interviews with other genre favorites, such as Tom Matthews, Diane Franklin, and Stephen Jeffries. You'll also get access to commercial-free episodes, and much more. Go to patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark for more information. And, as always, thank you for your support.